Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're about to hear an episode from Estate of Mind, a podcast where we imagine and redefine our urban spaces, brought to you by Ayala Land Estates and Puma Podcast. If you want to discover more from this show, follow Estate of Mind on your favorite podcast app. Enjoy! Isn't it so nice to see artwork in the city? Like the trees. It's a steel sculpture by Reynato Paz Contreras, which stands in the middle of Burgos Circle in Bonifacio Global City, Taguig. The tree trunks rise from a patch of grass, their branches intertwining into a shared canopy of leaves. You've probably seen it on a night out with friends, but what lies underneath, hidden from sight? That place in BGC is the lowest place in BGC. So that during Ondoy, the entire BGC was not flooded, but only that part of Burgos Circle. And it was only about a little higher than your ankle. Underneath that art piece is a detention tank. That's the size of eight Olympic-sized swimming pools, eight. The detention tank temporarily detains the water so that if there's a rush of water, it doesn't all go to the nearby communities. I'm Carl Sayat, and you're listening to the first episode of Estate of Mind, a podcast from Ayala Land Estates, powered by Puma Podcast. On Estate of Mind, we imagine and redefine our urban spaces what they should feel like, what they can be, and what we can do to make them a reality. Manny Blass, the man you heard earlier in this podcast, has worn many hats. He's the head of sustainability for Ayala Land. In the course of his career, he was in charge of the operations of Bonifacio Global City and was responsible for minding the safety and concerns of commuters catching their daily rides along Ayala Avenue. Manny knows, in other words, that nothing impacts land like humans trying to change and manage it, whether it's in the name of surviving, living, or even developing. And when you develop a piece of land and you have concrete, the land doesn't anymore absorb the water, right? It just 
glides through the concrete and it goes to your communities nearby and they get flooded. But you don't want to do that, right? So there's a detention tank that temporarily detains all of this volume of water and then it spews it out at a certain rate so that the nearby communities don't get the flood, don't get the water at a much faster rate than they can absorb. The glaring and everyday challenge to sustainability officers in land development, therefore, is obvious. How and where is balance to be achieved? Or is it even close to possible? The broadest definition of sustainability is using the resources of our planet in a manner that we do not compromise the ability of the next generation to use these same resources. So in other words, there's things that are going to be left so that every generation henceforth are going to be able to live nicely here on Earth. And there are three things that we're doing in order to uh, eventually get there. So one, site resiliency. That's exemplified precisely by understanding built-in features to the land such as in making use of the lowest point in BGC to enhance a natural sink. Two, pedestrian mobility, which Manny says includes mass transportation. And the third item to approach sustainability, he says, is resource efficiency. In other words, how do we use basic resource, uh, whether that's water, fuel, electricity? So site resiliency means our choice of sites have to be such so that they will withstand weather changes that are going to be more severe. Not only in our choice of sites, but in the way we develop our sites. Because it's easy to develop, you know, it doesn't take much. But how do you develop sustainably is much more difficult. Literally, what sustainability or sustain means to maintain. You sustain things means you keep it, you maintain it. But actually, for sustainability planning, that's the opposite of what you want. You want to change the way you're doing things now so that you'll be able to maintain a certain lifestyle into the extended future. But in order to do that, you have to change a lot of things that you're doing now. Art Corpus is an urban regional planner, awarded by the PRC as Most Outstanding Environmental Planner, a fellow of the Philippine Institute of Environmental Planning, Foundation for Economic Freedom, and also a board member of Ayala Land. A lot of, and central to any desirable lifestyle, Corpus says, goes to the second principle that Manny Blas outlined, mobility. And it's a component that necessitates thinking beyond the development area itself. Mobility, the very notion of allowing people to move between places, compels and requires developers to think of entire societies, not just their investment locations. The cities are just components of a region. Region is composed of urban areas and non-urban areas. So hindi mo dapat sila ipaghiwalay. Nag-iiba lang yung scale. So for example, you're concerned about pedestrian mobility in a neighborhood. That's connectivity. But you're also concerned with the interregional mass transportation. That's also connectivity, pero at a regional scale. So that, that's basically you know, urban and regional planning. Yung sustainability. The second thing that you will see in all of our estates is what we call pedestrian mobility. Because if you can plan an estate so that everything is nearby and a rule of thumb is 15 minutes walk, if instead of you know, you're inside a village and you wanted to buy medicine and you have to take your car, 
drive out to the nearest drugstore in order to buy your medicine, if you can just go down an elevator and walk five minutes to a drugstore, you've saved the carbon that you would have discharged if you got your car. So pedestrian mobility is something that we feel very strongly about. Pedestrianization includes uh, bike mobility and uh, personal mobility devices. And we took the, uh, the opportunity to do that during the pandemic. You, you will see in Ayala Avenue now, the outer lane is dedicated for bikes. In BGC, you'll see uh, the same thing. You know? and, and right now, we're just doing it temporarily by putting in those bollards. But in our newer estates, you will see it built in as part of the road infrastructure. If you ask me, what was the most significant contribution I've done in Makati when I was managing it? What I can tell you is organizing commuters queuing in Ayala Avenue so that if you were going to Baclaran, it's in this line. You have bollards that uh, organize people. Before, when it was every man, woman, and child for himself and herself rushing to that the arriving bus, now which is organized. And of course, within the development itself, mobility is central to a thriving city or even just a village or neighborhood. The living environs itself must in fact encourage people to move. If a city does not encourage or has very little open space or doesn't have any room for nature, it's a city that's setting itself up for failure. If a city does not enable its people to move around freely, then that's a non-sustainable city at this point. But if it has the means to turn itself around at some point so that it can restore nature, people can start living there again because they can get around, then that's a sustainable city. I'm Ana Maria Gonzalez, Ayala Land Sustainability Manager. I've been managing Ayala Land Sustainability Initiative since 2011. My background is I'm an architect and an urban planner, but I've had many years of experience in policy research, project development, and project management. For example, si Makati, yung Makati CBD, was originally planned as a car-oriented city years ago because that was the thinking back then. Progress means there will be cars. Progress means that there's a lot of steel and cement. So it was designed as a car-oriented place. In the 1990s, uh, when Ayala Land started to have its own planning team, the planning team of Ayala Land identified that what would solve the traffic problem in Ayala Avenue and in the Makati CBD was actually to take away a few streets and turn them into walkable areas. So that was the thinking behind the elevated walkways in Ayala Land, the underpasses, the enhancement of the sidewalks, was to really enable people to be able to walk freely or be mobile from EDSA all the way into the Makati CBD. In a way, that actually demonstrates what I was saying earlier what will make a city sustainable or an area sustainable will be its ability to adjust itself to the needs of the present and the future in a way that will not destroy the environment, that will not endanger people's health, that will enable them to continue to make a living. 
The final point is resource efficiency. Mr. Blass says that as of 2021, all of Ayala Land's commercial buildings, including their offices, malls, hotels, and resorts, are certified carbon neutral. They are either running on renewable energy, solar power or hydropower, or for everything else, their carbon footprint is offset by forests established and sustained by the company. Ayala Land has six permanent forests in the Philippines, the closest to Manila being a 100-hectare plot in Alaminos, Laguna. There are others in Nuvali, Laguna, in Palawan, in Cebu, in Iloilo, and in Davao. They've planted over 100,000 trees in the last five years and are protecting the growth that's already there. The long-term goal is 2050 net zero. That means you're not discharging any more carbon to the atmosphere. There's an interim goal of 2030, a certain percent reduction of that so that it gives you a fighting chance for 2050. And then between now and 2030, you know, what we're doing in our operations, the site resiliency, pedestrian mobility, resource efficiency, in order to slowly, slowly get there. What makes a city sustainable is not just the fact that you're protecting the environment. Cities are organisms where the environment, society, you know, culture, and the economy all interact in a dense place. If you ask me, ano yung sustainable city sa Pilipinas, wala muna akong isasagot sa'yo. Kasi that is something that will be judged by history. There are examples of cities which, you know, at a certain point may be environmentally degraded, but because of the mindset, they can actually turn around and make that city thrive again. For example, London, Thames River was so polluted, but they were able to bounce back. I think in the past few decades, they started a cleanup of the river and now it's a thriving ecosystem again. I can describe it, maybe, you know, we can qualify what a non-sustainable city is at this point. Unfortunately, because there are so many other people or other uncontrollables, things that we cannot control as a company, Climate change is going to most likely happen and therefore our responsibility as a company is to make sure that we are protected by coming up with projects that are resilient to climate change. By resilience, we mean, you know, we we can bounce back immediately after any event. So our projects are actually ready to respond not only are they designed so that they're protected against flooding or geohazards, they're more than compliant, they're already designed, taking in consideration sea level rise. Not only are they designed that way, they're also operated in such a way that our personnel are ready. There are scheduled drills to make sure that personnel are ready to respond anytime. It's the same for waste, Ms. Gonzalez says. In 2019, we set up a facility that will collect plastics that have been cleaned and dried by the consumer. The parlance is post-consumer plastic. Uh, sachets, yung mapinanggalingan ng baon natin, mga plastic containers. We set up an eco-hub in Arca South in Taguig to be able to collect all of these plastics instead of people throwing them away to the landfill. One of our partners then was a social enterprise called Green Ants. What they do is they crush or shred the plastics and then they embed them into construction materials like pavers. They have bricks. They have what they call eco-cast. They're, you know, substitutes for concrete hollow blocks. 
what we started out on was to use these plastics, the post-consumer plastics, and use them for construction. Since then, we've expanded the use to others. So we're now embedding them in, in our ready-mixed concrete. So some of our sidewalks in Vermosa are already using this material. So basically, you know, we just prevent plastics from being thrown into the landfill by encasing them in our construction materials. Not that anybody can create a complete oasis in a world of mismanagement and waste. Manny Blas, Ana Gonzalez, and Art Corpus say that precisely because there are so many uncontrollables, planners and developers must have as much of the larger society and landscape in mind. Think of the larger cities and provinces in which a community will develop. Cities and municipalities will have to think of their surrounding regions, and even the entire country. It should not be about developing enclaves exclusively protected from the elements but understanding that every other location can aggravate. Or, ideally, they can be lifelines in a web of resilience, especially in the face of climate change. You don't address it with a single community, obviously. No? It, it, it's global. Eh? So, ganun kalaki yung context that you're talking about. Now you're saying, okay, I'm talking about one specific community. And how do I address it so that it is resilient to sea level rise? Kung yun nga. Well, then I make sure that it is uh, protected from the elevations that are projected to be affected. My infrastructure connectivity is resilient so that kahit dumaan doon, I have alternatives. So, ang tawag namin dyan yung lifelines. Eh. Lifelines of a community. You make them redundant. Redundant so that pag merong naputol, na break, you have an alternative way of going about it. The transportation, merong alternative routes, etc. So the lifelines of a community is where you focus if you want to talk about uh, climate change, sea level rise. Ana Gonzalez reiterates the three key pillars guiding Ayala land developments. Although at this point, she says there's actually a fourth principle to keep in mind. So the first focus area is site resilience. The second one is pedestrian mobility and transit connectivity. The third focus area is eco-efficiency. Fourth is a local economic development. Urban regional planning was saying, why is development taking place or not taking place here? You have to put it into a that context. So the urban regional planning, the main feature then is it is reference to a particular location. What do people do in a particular location? It can cover a lot of things, whether it's uh, employment, transportation, recreation. In theory, we break that down into basic components. Eh? Productive activities, meaning production activities, whatever that people do so that they can you know, continue to survive. The other component is yung reproductive. In other words, this is what they do in order to be able to produce. They need to be able to eat, they need to be able to pray, they need to be able to replenish the energies that they spent. Going to school is part of building up your tools so that you will be productive. Going to church is part of your requirement so that you'll have the appropriate approach to life that will allow you to be productive, etc. Et uh, I think an important point that we often uh, forget, we're planning for 
people, not the place. The emphasis is always on the people. And make no mistake, for developers, it's still a business. But sustainability, by definition, is itself a proposition for winning, for the now and for the future. The drive is really for longevity, right? If you are a business, you want your business to stay around for generations to come. You know, you have to be there for the long haul. And Ayala Land, and I would say Ayala Corporation, understands that survival and success actually depends on us being able to protect the assets that we build our business on. It's especially important for Ayala Land because we deal with land. And land is a natural resource. It's the environment. It, we don't exist in a vacuum. If we don't protect our asset for the long term, we're not going to have any business 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. So this drive for sustainability, which is essentially protecting your environmental, social, human capital, if you don't protect them, if you don't grow them, if you don't uh, enhance their ability to survive, you're not going to have any business in the future. The vision of Ayala Land is very much uh, reflected in its statements of uh, enhancing lands, enriching lives, and caring for the environment. You know, if we just wanted to enhance lands, all we had to do is get a you know a large parcel of raw land, cut it up into smaller pieces, put some roads and utilities, and then parcel it off and sell it off, and then leave it, and then go on and go to the next piece of raw land. But that's not all that we do. You know, enhancing land is only one of them. But we also enrich lives. And we do that in a way that takes care of the environment. And enriching lives and caring for the environment are really the more difficult parts of the job. No? When you enrich land, you come up with a master plan for that land. How do you develop that so that it becomes a, a great place to live, that people want to go there? They would have uh, the things that they need around that area. They would like to grow their families there, for the kids to go to school, that the supermarket is nearby, there is a hospital just in case, and there are amenities around you in order to make life living there a very nice life to live. And you do all of this while caring for the environment because there's an easy way and there's a responsible way. When somebody says sustainable communities, a lucid mind will say, okay, what makes it sustainable? And then they say, well, we're going to put uh, bicycle lanes. Then you have to ask yourself, how significant is that to sustainability? If it means a lot to you, then okay. Pero minsan, for show lang minsan, eh, diba? or it doesn't matter much, then you'll say, well, maybe you shouldn't use the term sustainable community. It's a community with uh, bicycle lanes. So, it's more true. For me, sustainability is uh, overused. Eh, no? It is uh, subject to abuse and exploitation. Lalo na pag uh, ginamit for marketing. Sa sustainable community, for example, ang perception is that The more open space you provide, the more sustainable it is. That is not necessarily the case, diba? Kasi the more open space you provide, that means the more land you use up. When you say sustainable development, real development is sustainable. Otherwise, it is not development. But anyway, those who really mean what they say will, of course, uh, go beyond that. 
the end the rhetoric and, and, and do something more meaningful. And that was the first episode of Estate of Mind, a podcast from Ayala Land Estates, powered by Puma Podcast. This episode was written by Trisha Aquino, with editorial support from Robbie Alampay. It was put together by audio editor Nina Toralba. Join us as we imagine and redefine our urban spaces, what they should feel like, what they can be, and what we can do to make them a reality. Subscribe to Estate of Mind on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. 